We start off hour number three. Let me remind you, clones, that not all beef jerky is the same. Old trappers, old fashioned. Teriyaki, hot and spicy, and pepper, all come in four-ounce bags. That way you can sample the different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Somebody said, it's a crap. Signed, John Rom's phone. That was not John Rom's fault. It's a complete crap. It's a complete crap. Signed, John Rom's phone. That was not his phone. Nor was that his fault. Crap. And I'm not really sure why that happens, except that it does happen. And I'm not going to point the finger. I just wanted to cover him. It's not his fault. Again, he showed up early. He was ready to roll. He had that awesome backdrop and and did a good interview. Was not defensive in any way. Wanted to talk about why he did what he did. Started with the obvious and said, well, the obvious, you know, the compensation was pretty damn good. So, no, that was not his fault. And by the way, if you're watching on TV, I don't think there was an issue at all. If you're listening on radio... You may have heard Alvin bring the music up a couple of times. Dana White's theme song. That. All right, some breaking news from Shams. At Shams Sharinia, quote, Los Angeles Clippers star Kawhi Leonard signed a new three-year, $152.4 million Contract extension, keeping him under contract through the 2026-27 season, sources tell, at the Athletic, at Stadium, massive, fully guaranteed, long-term commitment in L.A. What it do, baby? Wow. The Clippers are having a moment, yo. I'll save you clones the trouble. Good work if you can get it. 32 games a year for 152.4 over three years. Good work if you can get it, clones. Sorry I beat you to the joke. So, if you're Kawhi Leonard and you get that money, what are you thinking if you're Paul George? Well, Woj has that part of it. Woj posts on X, quote, The Clippers extension talks with Paul George are ongoing, and organization continues to want to get both stars lined up on longer-term contracts, sources tell ESPN. For now, Leonard has agreed on a new deal in a season that he's been healthy and highly productive. True. He is healthy. He is highly productive. He's cashed in on that, and they look really damn good. So you might be asking yourselves, all right, that's Kawhi. They're trying to get a deal done with Paul George. What about the system? James Harden. He's got to be off to the side, really unhappy, right? I'm not a system player. I am a system. Well, Woj is on that too. And for the record, for all the heat he took— And for all the crap that we gave him, that guy's played great. There's a reason why they are where they are, and Ballmer's giving away all his money. Because they're playing great. Because they're having a moment. Because they look like a team that can win it all. In terms of James Harden, if you're thinking to yourself, Harden's going to go hard. Harden right now is getting the fat suit dry cleaned. 
Harden has gone into the closet, and he realizes the fat suit no longer fits. So he's going to start eating because he saw what the other guy got and what the other other guy's going to get. He's going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah Kawhi, he's I. Paul George, we've seen his act in the postseason especially. Why, why do you think you're taking care of these guys? I'm just talking for James Harden. Harden's got to be thinking, why do you think we're playing the way we are? Why do you think you want to chip these guys off? Me. We're playing the way we're playing because of me. I'm not a guy that fits in a system. I am the system. Those dudes fit in my system. Kawhi fits in my I'm system. I'm a system player. I am a system. All right. They all, those planets revolve around me. Woj is on that too. James Harden, quote, James Harden can't sign a new deal until the offseason. Hmm. Maybe he's not dusting off the fat suit yet. So anyway, the Clippers definitely having a moment and feeling themselves. Kawhi had this to say about the new contract. Good one, Alvy. Good one, Alvy. Alvy just going rogue. All right, anyway. Anyway, if we can get back to actually talking about the news, the breaking news, here is what Kawhi Leonard had to say about a reported new three-year, $152.4 million contract extension. But would anybody be surprised? Like I said, good work if you can get it. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Bomber's like, good, good, good. I want to spend money on something other than our toilets. Good. Toilets. There's only so much money you can spend on toilets. Toilets. 1160 toilets. I don't know what the, the cost per unit is, but even that many. All right, moving on. That's breaking news right there. Avix Randall posts on X, quote, I haven't laughed at a show this hard in a while. The caveat being that I'm praying I won't have to communicate with other humans today due to aggressive spikes that's causing in my already chronic jungle Tourette's. War responding to every question with, it's a crap. It's a complete crap. Yeah, let me correct you right there. It's not, it's a crap. It's a complete crap. It's a complete crap. This one says, Miami fan, employer, you better get your willy warmers ready for Kansas City. Brantley and Eugene, I got news for you. They're not going to help. They will not help. Hey, Jim, is it true that Bill Belichick is going to be the next golden bachelor? Robin Hershey. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. 
He's got such a smooth rap, I'm sure. Let's go. Hey, babe. Let's go get in the hot tub. What do you want to do? Uh, what do you say we get a, an early uh, blue light special? What yeah. Yeah, I got a golden rose for you because I'm the golden bachelor. Get it? Hey. Hey. Yeah, here's your golden rose. Hey, you, 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 you get a golden rose. You? Uh, sorry, we're on to the next round of the golden bachelor. We're on to the next round. Uh, sorry about that. We're on to Cincinnati. Tell you what, I'll I'll find you on Snapface. We're on to the next round. Snapface. Yeah, the thing is, uh, Hey, Bill, that's uh, kind of harsh. You know, interview guys like, hey, Bill, that's kind of harsh. And we're on in the next round, huh? Well, yeah, well, my that. feeling on that is like I'm approaching the Golden Bachelor the same way that I've always approached uh, football. There's a lot of similarities. The way I see it, you know, football is life and the Golden Bachelor is life. And there's a lot of similarities between these two things. And frankly, when it comes to football, it's always better to cut them a little bit early rather than let them stay around a little we're bit too long. You feel that. me? Same with the Golden Bachelor. No offense to any of these gals. But better to get them out a little bit early than to hold on to them a little bit too long. You feel me? Get out of here. Give me your uh, playbook or give me your iPad or give me your iPhone or give me whatever you have and and hit the bricks. And thanks for the memories. This is the uh, Patriot way. I mean the Golden Bachelor way. Sorry about that. I'm kind of setting my ways here. Right, we're on to the next round. Hey, you, we're you, you over there. Hey, good looking. Here's a golden rose for you. Hey, you, we're you over there. Today. Less good looking. Here's we're a, really here's a hit the road. Today's Friday. Hit the bricks. Hey, believe me, I've cut much more impressive oh. than you. I'm the one that ran Tom Brady off. Remember? Hey, <laughs> Actually, I think it's a great idea. The hood should be on the Golden Bachelor. I'd watch that. And as soon as he's done with that, he should do Dancing with the Stars. And why have they not done a golden Dancing with the Stars yet? Why not? Just franchise I'm all golden, of the gold. And I can get a- The golden voice. <sighs> the golden Dancing with the Stars. Golden Idol. The golden Bachelor. Golden Masked Singer. Why not just gold plate everything? Golden Survivor. And then take it into true crime too. Golden Dateline. Golden 48 Hours. Only murders involving 75-year-old serial killers. No way. This just in. The Giants themselves posted this. The Giants and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale have mutually agreed to part ways. Is that what you call your defensive coordinator telling the head coach to bleep off, Ms.? Is that that how we position that now? There's actually something important here. Mutually agreed to part ways. What does that mean? I have to get into the whole deal. But when he just popped off at Brian Dable and just went AWOL and just busted out of the building and got on a plane, 
did, did he resign? Because if he resigns, reportedly, he forfeits his $3 million salary, and apparently, according to the way the contract is written, he is not free to go where he wants. So I wanted to get into all of this, but they beat me to it. If they fire him, of course, they have to pay him unless they fire him for cause. But they didn't want to fire him. Reportedly, they want him back because he's a damn good coach. But he was furious, according to reports, because Brian Dable broke off his key right-hand guy and then the brother of his key right-hand guy. But it had been boiling. That was not a one-off. That was not an anomaly. That was something that had been reportedly building. This is not some conflict. This was not a heat of the moment or brand new conflict. Apparently, this had been building. So more dysfunction. And I had a whole thought on this that I wanted to get into. And I wanted to lay it out step by step by step by step by step. And then try to speculate on what might happen. And then they beat me to it. The Giants and D coordinator Wink Martindale have mutually agreed to part ways. Tell you what, they're already crap. They're not better without this guy. Now, you might argue that they're better without this guy because of the dysfunction and it no longer works. I'm just talking about as a football man, as a football coach, they're not better without this guy. He will be in demand. He's not going to have a hard time finding another gig. McVeigh and Sirianni both just got done praising him back-to-back for the way they finished the season, where they had nothing to play for. Yet they just punked the hell out of the Eagles. You're going to give all that credit to Dable? You think Wink Martindale had nothing to do with that? They were still playing hard. The Eagles, on the other hand, had a lot to play for. The Giants haven't had anything to play for in weeks. And they still knocked them the hell out. The Eagles did not score until the last 111 left in that game. Third quarter, I should say. So you tell me, who does that say more about? Philly or New York? To which I would say, as always, yes, both. At Life of Mikey C., Dude, what is with that disco riff that kept cutting in when Rom kept cutting off? All right, listen, if ever there's a time on this show where something goes on that you don't understand, that you want to understand, just ask, like that guy did. Albie, this song, the disco riff he's talking about. All right, the origin of that is an interview... James Kelly's got an idea. Alvy. James Kelly just had a great idea. And believe me, that's never happened before. So I want to follow through on this. This is big. I just said First James Kelly just had a great happened. idea. That's never happened. So therefore, I would like to try to execute on this. James Kelly said, bring Alvin's mic up. So you can describe what that disco riff is that you keep popping in when John Rom is getting cut off.
Alvin, are you talking to me or are you talking on air? Alvin's like, dude, dude, I have the sound of Dana White. Don't you just want to play that? I you just know what? play the sound. You know what? You know White. what, Alvin? You're right. I- James Kelly's never had a good idea. I'm with you. Just play the sound. Hey, my guy, Cap, Cap in Toronto, this is why we do this. This happened in 2019. Dana White came on. I asked him a question. He disappeared. Then we had that super awkward silence on air. So Alvin, or actually, Alvin didn't do anything. Dana White, on his end, had this song come up. I probably should have had you answer this, Alvin. But anyway, this is what happened. Dana White joining us. Dana, you were pretty critical of Oscar De La Hoya for his involvement. I've been telling you how to that. Is that me or is that you, Dana? I've been telling you how to that. No, yeah. I, I could tell a tough question was coming, so I, uh, that's, my new, that's my new system for tough questions. Dana, nice. That's actually funny because Dana doesn't care about tough questions at all. At all. At all. You can ask Dana White anything you want. And he'll either give you a very terse, aggressive, belligerent response, or he just won't answer. But that's why that was so funny. That, uh, that that's, that's how I deal with tough questions right now. I just play that song. So anyway, it's Fantastic Man by William Onyabor. That song slaps, all right? It just does. So anytime we lose a guest... Alvin now just plays that song because we lost Dana White that day and that song came up, but we didn't play it. Dana did. Tell me that song doesn't slap. All right, so what we have here is like Black Wednesday. Black Monday was just slow developing. Normally on Monday after the regular season, coaches get broken off. But it's like Black Monday was kind of a slow-developing thing. Look at this bomb from at Adam Schefter. Shefty posts on the X. A shocker in Seattle. Pete Carroll is expected to be out as the Seahawks head coach. Per sources. Seattle. He still could remain in the organization, but not as the head coach. Tom Pelissero also posting on the X. The team is still working through the details, but after saying multiple times this week that he planned to be back as the Seahawks coach in 2024 at age 72, Carroll is out. Ian Rappaport is jumping in. Quote, don't be surprised if he lands upstairs in Seattle, but for now, he's out as coach. So, Tom Pelissero said that multiple times this week, Carroll said that he planned to be back. Yeah, well, apparently, Pete, Seattle did not plan on having you back. Seattle. So, what changed? I don't know, the firing of Mike Vrabel? Didn't seem like that'd be the most natural fit. See, the thing about Vrabel to me is, Vrabel's a great coach, and pretty much everybody thinks so, I guess, except Tennessee. But Vrabel can be choosy. Vrabel can pick the situation that he wants, because arguably, we could talk about the results and the fact that he did lose 16 of his last 21, but 
ownership would have you believe that it didn't work. The fit didn't work. The alignment was out of sorts. And that's why he's out. Not the results. The results are part of it, but it's about alignment and fit. You know, that gibberish. Well, if that's the case, then Vrabel's going to want to find the right fit. Obviously, Carroll had a really good fit working with John Schneider. And so it didn't fit any longer. That's interesting. I can't, I'm not shocked, but I can't say that I saw that coming. So Black Monday is kind of playing out over the week. Now he is 72. Now I don't want to I don't want to say that it's an age thing because man believe me this dude does not look or act 72. I think the guy can still coach. Maybe it comes down to this. I and I'm not there. I'm just speculating. Maybe they went to him and we know he's a fiercely loyal guy. Maybe they went to Pete, and Pete is 72, and he's extremely loyal, and said, hey, Pete, you know what? You got to make some changes on your staff. We need to see changes on your staff. And maybe he pushed back. Because notice what they're saying. Yeah, there's still a place for you in the organization. We can bump you upstairs. The whole thing didn't just blow up. This isn't Wink Martindale storming out of the facility after F-bombing the head coach. He's still in the building. He's just not their head coach. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Maybe they went to him and said, you need to make some changes. And maybe he was unwilling to make those changes. I would say this. He sure didn't seem like a guy who had had enough and wanted to move on. He never seems like that. It's just, it's kind of creepy how much energy that old guy has. And how much enthusiasm that old guy has. And how much he loves it still. I have to think that guy wanted to coach that team. So we'll see. More information as it comes out. I'm going to reserve further judgment until we see more information and more details. But I did not expect that. A Seahawk fan, reaction. What do you think? Nick Casario is going to join me at 40 past. We'll come back. I'll have a short segment for you. Good day, man. Interesting stuff. Wink Martindale and the Giants have mutually agreed to part ways. Pete Carroll, expected to be out as Seahawks head coach. Who's next? Love this game. 1-800-636-8686. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. The ones who get it done, Granger has offered supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Car, click Granger.com or stop on by. All right, so let's talk really quickly about Seattle making a change. What about Pete Carroll? Is that shocking to you? Now, on the one hand, I could argue, listen. For all the fun that we have at his expense for being a fast talker and a gum assassin, he really is an all-time great coach. An all-time great coach. In college, in the NFL, longevity. The guy's an amazing coach. He is. He is. Now, was this a really dumb thing for them to do? 
The guy's had one losing season in his last 12. By comparison, the alleged GOAT, Bill Belichick, has had three losing seasons in his last four. That would equal Pete's entire run in Seattle. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. After moving their alleged franchise quarterback, but clearly Russ is no longer a franchise player. We know this. So if Pete Carroll was saying as recently as just a few days ago or a couple weeks ago that I want to be here, I want to be here, I want to be here, and then all of a sudden he's not here, what changed? What happened? Why are they making that move? Is it because they fired him? They didn't really fire him. They kind of removed him. Like they want to keep him in the building. Reportedly, he moves upstairs. But he wanted to coach. So what's going on here? Did he burn out? I don't think so. Guy's energy is still off the charts. And he's saying, I want to coach. I want to be here. I expect to be here. So I don't think it's a matter of him burning out finally at age 72. Do they want a fresh start? Maybe. I don't really know. But Seattle Seahawks fan, I'm asking your opinion. Are you stunned? Are you shocked? And do you think your team just got worse? Or do you think, you know what? It's time. Like, he didn't do anything abhorrent. He didn't lose 16 of 21. Granted, he's got a much better roster than Mike Vrabel had. But, Seattle fan, what is your reaction to this? Are you relieved? Are you shocked? Are you happy? Or is it just time to change? Is it time for a new voice? I mean, on the one hand, the guy, he runs so hot with so much energy and so much enthusiasm I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner, as great as he is. You could see where he would wear guys out with that enthusiasm. Like Marshawn Lynch said recently in a podcast, like, hey, man, <laughs> like, I don't even listen. Like, I, I, whenever I hear that, I want to do the opposite. Like, leave me alone, bro. What do you think? I'm just about that action, bro. The guy is an icon. He did an amazing job with that franchise. All, all fun and kidding aside, the guy did do an incredible job there. He really did. He was a handoff on the one-yard line from doing a virtually perfect job there. Then we are talking about a goat. One of the goats. You might even argue that he's still one of the goats. We could argue about whether or not Pete Carroll is one of the goats, But if he hands that ball off on the one-yard line, we're not arguing about whether he's one of the GOATs. He's absolutely one of the GOATs. And he might be anyway. But I'll take your reaction. All right, when we come back, Nick Casario joins me. You know I'm all about that. I might slide an ATP in if I can. Still keep trying with that. But first up, here's a sports update. A lot going on. Here is Rich Ackerman. play favorites you know this in about 10 seconds i'll be joined by one of my favorite people really quickly so i'm asking you seahawk fans what is your reaction to pete carroll 
being bumped aside. And just on the early reaction that I'm looking at on X and the email, there aren't any Seahawks fans that aren't not grateful for Pete Carroll, but none are raging. None are raging about this. The only Seahawk fan raging about Pete Carroll not being the coach still is James Kelly. And I had no idea James Kelly had this love affair with Pete Carroll. Add him to the list. James Kelly hates everything except four things. And Pete Carroll is one of them now. I just didn't know it. All right. As promised, we are joined right now by the executive VP and general manager of the Houston Texans. He was previously with the Patriots for 20 years, 18 of them in player personnel. He just so happens to have six Super Bowl rings that he won with the Patriots. His Texans are 10-7. and seven. They are the AFC South Division champs. They are hosting the Browns Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Wild Card Weekend. We are joined by Nick Casario, who also happens to be a jungle legend and a recipient of a lifetime golden ticket that guarantees him entry into any smack-off going forward. Nick, my brother, an enormous week for you and your franchise. How you feeling, Nick? Romy, great to be here. appreciate you and the uh, XR4TI crew making some time today, so glad to be on. Not as much as I appreciate you, Nick. Listen, give me a minute. I'm going to break every journalism rule right now, every one of them, starting with you're supposed to ask quick, short questions and not have like commentary, but I want to say this. Look, I'm not going to lie. This is a business. I pride myself on not rooting. I don't root for anything other than something to talk about, oh, and our racehorses and my kids when they played ball and my college. However, I say this because watching your game against the Colts with my wife, Dodger Jano, and our son, Rogan Loam, he says to me at the end of your game, quote, damn, Pop, this is really stressful. And I had to admit because of my relationship with you and my, you know, my relationship with the team and your relationship with the show, I had to say, Logs, this is really stressful. Nick, having said all of that, that's a long way of my leading you into this. You've won six rings. You've been in really stressful situations. What were the last few moments of last week's game like for you? I don't know. It's a great question. Uh, hopefully I was as calm. Maybe I don't know if I was as calm as uh, Logan was when he, he inter- you interviewed him, but uh, We've been actually, you know, kidding aside, we've been in a number of close games here this year. So I want to say eight, ten games have come down to one score. So we've been in these situations. So, I mean, I know it's cliche, but you really just got to take it one play at a time. So we put ourselves in the position there in the fourth quarter um, where we scored with, I don't know, with six or seven minutes left. And we knew the reality was, I mean, we missed the extra point. So we knew we were going to have to get a stop. Otherwise, they scored a touchdown and kicked the extra point you know, there's a good chance they're probably going to run the clock down. So um, you try to maintain some degree of civility and try to stay as calm as you can. Um, and whatever the outcome is going to be, it really it's out of my hands. I mean, I'm just there really observing the game and just watching the game. But it's a credit to the coaching staff and the players that we can continually put ourselves in the position. And at the end of games, we've executed in some games and, and, and we've been victorious. And there's other games where we came up a little bit short. But I think the big thing is when the fourth down play, uh, when the incompletion took place, we knew we had to figure out a way to run some time off the clock. And then still there's, you know, eight, nine seconds where we have to give the ball back. We end up taking a safety, and then we still have another play to play. I mean, I've been on the short end of the stick. I mean, go back to the Miami play there. We score, and they, you know, the Miami, whatever the the terminology or vernacular they use, the end 77 yards. So 
you really never know what's going to happen to the last play. So I think once the ball was recovered and we knew that we were in the playoffs, I think there was definitely exhilaration and joy just for the people that have put so much time and effort into this this season. Nick Casario joining us. You know, you're right. You're in the playoffs. I mean, you're the epitome of plan your work, work your plan. You knew you had a great plan. You knew you got the coach you wanted in D'Amico Ryans. You knew you got the quarterback you wanted in C.J. Stroud. There's so many guys in that locker room that you wanted, that you got. So you knew you had a really good plan, Nick. And I'm sure you'll tell me, well, this was the hope when I ask you about the postseason. But when you look at the fact that you had three wins last year and you and I are talking about the postseason right now, did you think the plan would come together that quickly? Yeah, you never know. And we've talked about this. I mean, the reality was we had, I didn't do a very good job the first couple of years we were here. So we tried to put some things in place. Didn't really, you know, work out as well as we would have hoped. But I think the idea was, all right, find the right coach. And we were able to do that with D'Amico, who's been, I mean, I can't say enough great things about him. And then as we put the team together during the course of the spring, the players that we signed for agency and then the players that we drafted, we felt we'd have a competitive team. Now, what does that exactly mean? What does that translate over into wins and losses? None of us really know that, but we felt we'd have an opportunity. Now, you know, we start 0-2 and things look pretty bleak, but the team just kept chipping away, and then the win down in Jacksonville, I'd say, was a really big win. I think it, it's still a little bit of belief in the team, and then we come back home, and we're 2-2, two and two, so we're moving along. So um, it's a, the ultimate. we're in the ultimate week-to-week, year-to-year, and really what happened in the past doesn't have any relevance. All you can focus is on the present, focus on you know what you're dealing with uh, now, and our team did a great job of sort of taking that approach. And I think D'Amico, his personality – permeated the entire building just his energy just his consistency just his authenticity and it's just staying in the moment and if you focus on the moment and just go out there each game and you know as we look forward to cleveland here this week it's going to be no different it's the playoffs it takes on a little bit more important but the reality is you're still going to have to go out there and execute plays and just take it one play at a time at the end of the game in the fourth quarter hopefully in a position where you have an opportunity to win the game so um, I think, again, it's a credit to the players and the coaches for the work that they put in, and I think our players adopted the right mindset. And they, they came in with, I would say, a certain chip on their shoulder, not necessarily to prove anybody wrong, but really to prove each other right, that they believe in each other and the things that we're doing you know, are, are working. We're talking to Nick Casario. So, Nick, what about the players? Like, you've got C.J. Stroud. You and I have talked about him. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. We already know that. He's done things in his rookie season that only Joe Montana and Tom Brady have done. As you were evaluating him leading up to the draft, did you know that this was a really special dude? Or can you never really know until you see it on the grass? You can evaluate the talent and the physical attributes and watch um, the players play in college, which C.J. was as good of a quarterback as there was in college football the last couple of years. And then when you get an opportunity to spend more time with them on a personal level, I think sometimes we forget in the end it's a people business. So it's about the people and it's about what they're made up of. Um, and I say this in a very, I mean, uh, respectful way with C.J. He's an old soul. He's an old soul. I mean, he's wise beyond his years. He's very confident. He has tremendous amount of belief in himself. The Lord is a big part of his life. It's just not a facade. It's real. So he's made of the right substance. And you're talking about a 21, 22-year-old kid, but he's an adult. And the way he handles himself, his maturity, and the respect that he garnered from the team was a result of his work and his actions, not necessarily anything that he was saying. I think sometimes people misconstrue leadership. by The more you say that's leadership, well, leadership is about action. And then once you people see what you do and how you work, then they'll respond in kind. But 
he's great with people. He's great with the team. I think everybody, it's important for a player just to be who they are and be true to themselves and be authentic. And I'd say CJ is certainly emblematic of that whole idea. Nick Casario is joining us. So, Nick, you get ready for Joe Flacco, who's going to turn 39 in six days. Now, you know this dude well from your time in New England. Listen, I understand fit. I understand system. I understand that this guy's always had a big arm, and he's had success in the league. I get that they've got a great defense. All these things. But he's not just managing games, Nick. He's playing lights out. I would argue I'm seeing this old guy do things that I don't remember him doing in his prime. How do you explain that, and what kind of thoughts do you have watching Joe Flacco right now? Yeah, not too many people can just roll out of the, the roll off the couch and start slinging the football around, throw 13 touchdown passes, and however many games he's played. So, I mean, Joe has always been able to throw the football. Joe is a very instinctive player, has a lot of experience. I mean, he beat our ass multiple times in New England. Um, and Joe has a lot of confidence. And really, it's a credit to Joe. And really, it's a credit to Coach Stefanski and the program that they have there in Cleveland. I think A.B. and Kevin have put together a great team. They're very resilient. Um, they've had to endure a number of different uh, players. They've lost a number of players. They've endured a number of injuries. But I mean, Joe has shown like, his talent, um, and I think he's earned the respect of uh, his teammates in a short period of time. Um, but it really, it's a, a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for what he's done for to really walk on a team in the middle of the year, really almost towards the end of the year, and then be able to go out there. I mean, we saw him firsthand two, three weeks ago. I mean, he didn't miss a lot of throws. He made some plays, though, quite frankly, not a lot of quarterbacks in the league you've seen make all year. I mean, he threw a third down, fourth down completion to Cooper on the sideline where the coverage was tight. We were draped all over him. And then, you know, he was able to complete the pass. So a lot of respect for Joe. We understand the challenges that are in front of us. And it's really, it's a credit to Joe and and the work that the Browns have done here this season. The challenge in front of you, but the absolutely awesome opportunity in front of you. Before you go, Nick, somebody's going to have another awesome opportunity. It could be you, but knowing you, I don't think it will be. Just know that golden ticket that I bestowed upon you is a lifetime golden ticket. But you know we're coming up on a golden year, number 30 for the smack-off. I understand you have a few things that are a little more important that are in front of you right now. And having this conversation, you are locked, my brother. I can tell you are locked, and understandably so. But if you just took a step back for one minute and you looked ahead to smack-off number 30, we don't have a date yet. Is there somebody who you would project as a potential winner? I know you and Shawnee have a relationship, but who do you think might win, or who would you want to see win Smack Off 30? Well, it's funny. Uh, I was listening to the show last week. My brother in Smack Silk uh, happened to call into the show, and he was nailed as he normally is. So there's a lot of very talented callers. I'm going to have to spend some time in the basement here getting my material ready if I'm going to make an appearance over the summer, if, in fact, that's when you do it. So, um you know, I, le- I know Left has a strong game. Uh, I know he's out for me. So a lot of respect to Left. And I'm sure he'll call in as a result of this. But, um, you know, I'm going to have to just make sure that I do my homework and get in the basement and make sure I listen to the show during the course of the year, get some good material. Um, maybe you can get your bo- our boy Darko on the show after his performance here last night. You know, Alan did a great job with that mix. So great job to you, Alan, getting the, uh, the, the show ready this morning. But, uh it's always fun to listen to the show, Jim. I, I really appreciate just the relationship. And, you know, I'm locked into the show as much as I'm locked into football, but there's always time for the jungle. So um, I'll have to pick my spots. I'll be very uh, shrewd and judicious about um, whether or not I make the appearance. But, um, you know, I appreciate the ticket, and we'll see if this is the year we put it to use. Nick, I think you just won the smack off. I don't, I don't think we need to worry about you showing up that day. I, my, my man, congratulations. You just won smack off 30. 
<laughs> what are you going to do with the $5,000, Nick? <laughs> the best. That was awesome. Nick, I can't say how much I appreciate you, man, and the friendship. Like I said, I do not play favorites, but you absolutely are an all-time favorite. Listen, thank you for making time for us. It's an enormous week for you and the franchise. Congrats for even being there. I know you have unfinished business, Nick, but I appreciate you. Dude. Thank you so much. Thanks, Romy. Appreciate you. I look forward to catching up soon. You too, Nick. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Nick, now you know Nick. I know Nick. Nick is the most prepared human being I know. The two guys in this business that prepare, unlike anybody else that I know personally, are my two guys. Nick Casario and Eric Musselman. I guarantee Nick logged some jungle time today just because he wanted to be prepared. But him referencing Darko and, quote, Allen... He allened Alvin. Outrageous. Nick Casario, if you bleeping need him. That was so great, Nick. Appreciate you, brother. Thank so you, So much. Nick Casario. You think there's much jungle karma there? Who do you think I'm rooting for this weekend? No offense, C-Town. My thanks to Nick Casario. Great, great appearance. Legendary appearance by Nick. John Rom too. My thanks to the XR4TI. See you tomorrow. We're out. How's that possible?